Welcome, and thank you for joining this podcast brought to you by the American Heart Association. The Association's Digital Digest series features a range of podcasts and videos focused on the latest resuscitation science topics. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ECC Digital Digest series. My name is Ash Panchal. I'm an emergency physician, and I am so pleased to have you today because we're going to be talking about something which really inspires me. And hopefully, you guys will take something away from this. Our topic today is inspiring action. Why lay responders are the key to cardiac arrest survival. Now, this is something which is very near and dear to my heart because this is an area of my research. And this is something that I have dedicated my life to trying to change. I want to improve the outcomes for patients who have cardiac arrest outside the hospital. And now we recognize that cardiac arrest is a significant public health problem. And one of the key solutions is bystander CPR. Now, I am so honored to be joined by two amazing individuals. First, I'm joined by Katie Dainty. She's a PhD social scientist and a cardiac arrest researcher. And I'm also joined today by Brianna Colquitt who is a nursing student and a bystander CPR advocate. For me, this is one of those things that changes people's lives and really gives them another chance. I mean, these people have died and through the work and the things that we do for them, we are hopefully changing the direction of this death into another life and somebody who is going to do great things in our community and be there with their families. And so I do want to throw this over Brianna a little bit. I want to hear a little bit about you because one of the things that really struck me when I first met you and we started talking about this is how excited you are about bystander CPR and your advocacy towards it. Can you tell me why this is the case? Yes, so I'm actually going to share my story. So my story takes place back in August of 2018. It was my senior year of high school. It was just a normal Saturday and I got a call from my mom. She told me to go check on my neighbor because my neighbor's wife was concerned about him. When I got to his house, he, we found him unconscious. One of his friends had gotten there at that time too. So we both got him down to the floor and we began performing CPR. Now, I had been trained in CPR in my junior year of high school, and I was confident in my skills, and in this class, we practiced it all the time on mannequins. It is a completely different experience, as everyone knows, performing on mannequins compared to a real-life person, and it was hard knowing my neighbor, and we were close to him. I performed CPR for about eight to 10 minutes before the paramedics got there. When they got there, they took over and they took him to the hospital. I was close to the family, so I ended up following behind the ambulance. And when I got to the hospital, unfortunately, we found out that my neighbor did not make it, but I was told by everyone at the hospital that I did everything correctly. I did everything in my power by performing CPR and doing all the things that I had been taught and I did everything correctly. After the fact, it hit me really hard emotionally. I had to deal with a lot of things just about that. And I had a great support system, which I was very thankful for. And I think that's very important for anyone who does perform CPR because it is very taxing emotionally, but it has taught me that the medical field is where I want to be. So that's what came out of this experience. You know, every time I hear your story, Brianna, I'm continuously amazed by it. I'm amazed by all the, the bystander stories that I hear because 
the fact that you were trained, which is amazing. And then second of all, jumped in without hesitating is quite incredible. And unfortunately, your story of having that emotional response afterwards is not unusual, but it's not something we spend a lot of time talking about. You know, we call people to action. We ask them to get down and do exactly what you did. But we don't talk a lot about the sort of trauma that comes with that afterwards, whether you know the person like you did, basically a family member, so to speak, versus or a stranger, there's still, you know, a real trauma to that. So, you know, thank you for sharing your story and just want to let everybody know that it's not an unusual one. And one of the tough things about this is I think we recognize by watching lots of TV that there are survivors from cardiac arrest. But the reality is so much more daunting. One in 10 people will survive, right? It's, it's, it's not a huge number, but we got to keep trying. And we can bring that up to three in 10, four in 10, five in 10. That's possible. Some places it's really that good. And what you did really just really is it's so inspirational because you jumped right in and you did what you could do. Now, we got to do something about this, right? Not only do we need to enhance people doing biasing or CPR, we need to enhance support so that this story and this connection in our community continues on. Now, one of the things that we do at the ECC is we provide guidance and we look at the research to see what kind of guidance is out there. And one way we do this is by developing scientific statements. And there is indeed a scientific statement specifically on bystander CPR and the bystander experience. Now, the most recent scientific statement on this topic, understanding the importance of the lay responder experience in out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. Now, we are lucky, and I didn't plan this at all. Of course I planned it. We're lucky to have Katie Dainty here, who is the first author of this statement. And I kind of want to hear a little bit about what's out there right now when it comes to the research and what were the big high points you took away from this? Sure. So this statement actually got started after a conversation. Ash and I had an AHA meeting in Dallas and thinking about the kind of work that we've been doing for a number of years around bystander CPR and the fact that as a social scientist and someone that does a lot of qualitative interviews talking to bystanders, that that part of the evidence wasn't really pulled together in a way that could give us guidance on how to move forward. And so that's really where this came from. And we were able to pull together an amazing team of authors to help us to look at that evidence and to draw up the statement. And part of the problem is that we've called people to action for a really long time. We've really drove people to get trained and do bystander CPR. But what we haven't done is learned by listening to them about what it's really like. You know, Brianna said it was nothing like doing it on a mannequin, things like that. Difficulty with even recognizing cardiac arrest. As cardiac arrest scientists, we know that people have agonal breathing, that gasping type noise that often gets confused for regular breathing. People don't know that the person on the ground is dead. Also, we asked them to use automatic external defibrillator. Honestly, if I was in this field and someone asked me to pull out a machine and put it on someone's chest, for sure I would be worried about that or, or concerned that I had no idea what I was doing. And so really working hard to demystify that use and, and encourage people to use them because that is another thing that can double or triple the chance of survival. And of course, the thing that we've been talking about is providing that support recognizing that when the ambulance comes and takes that cardiac arrest victim away, the bystanders are sort of left standing there. And whether it's a person that you love and you follow the ambulance like Brianna did, or whether or not you were a stranger to the event in a public cardiac arrest and, and you're left standing there, how do we help people kind of deal with that? Whether it be euphoria, a lot of people feel like I am really excited that I was able to help someone. 
and other people feel like, oh my God, what just happened? So it's both ends of the spectrum. And how do we share that information so people don't feel alone? And how do we create a system to not let that be the last thing people remember and are able to do, willing to jump in again and do it and not be totally traumatized by it. So I think those are the things that we really wanted to show that there is evidence out there around this and use that to really drive our next, our future research on how we can improve training, support, and really messaging around bystander CPR. Katie, I think all that you said is very important. As a member of the community, I think that it is important to recognize the signs of cardiac arrest different to us as it does to a healthcare professional. Also, AEDs can look scary to someone from the outside. So just education on how to use them. And then also the emotional side of stuff is super important. After you perform CPR, there is a lot of stuff that you deal with and a lot of emotions that come with that. So that those are all three important. So Katie, thank you so much. So three big highlights, recognizing cardiac arrest, demystifying the magic box called the AED <laughs> and providing the support for our bystanders after an event. The statement is just describing all these different concepts and really pulls it all together. Really well done. Now, one thing I wanted to bring out because I know a lot of our listeners are probably feeling the same way about this is I know one of the biggest challenge with bystander CPR is actually misinformation. Some of it can be associated with fear, infection risk. We saw this with HIV. There was a lot of fear about getting infections. Now we're faced with COVID, right? And this is a whole new dimension to the challenge of bystander CPR. So what effect do you think COVID is having on all this? Well, to be honest, I think COVID has set us back quite a bit on bystander CPR. I mean, it's really confusing to think that you should get down and get that close to somebody, given the physical distancing recommendations and the infectious rate of COVID. But at the end of the day, the person on the ground is dead, and they're going to stay that way if we don't do something about it. And while COVID is very scary and very serious, typically, you would know the number better than I, Ash, but it's around 75% of cardiac arrests are actually in the home. They're actually people you love. At that point, I think COVID is probably not a concern and saving your loved one is probably more of a concern. So I think while unfortunately in public sort of stranger bystander CPR story has taken a bit of a hit, I think we can come back from it. It's really about clear messaging. You know, there's always been an infection concern. You know, when we had mouth to mouth CPR, that was a huge concern. Now we know the guidance is if you're trained to do compressions and breaths, go for it. But if you're not, hands-only CPR is effective and it's easy to learn and use. So you don't have to touch it. You don't have to get down and put your mouth to anybody. We're really just talking about compressions, which is really helpful in this situation. And fear of litigation and fear of you know, police involvement and things like that. Most states, most countries have good Samaritan laws that protect you. As long as you get down and do what you're supposed to do, that's really not hey, a real fear anymore. And so really, we just need to be really clear with this messaging. And it's almost a marketing campaign, if nothing else. And uh, the only thing we can do to, to uh, counteract misinformation, for sure. And one of the big things for me, I'm also an EMS medical director. So I have a whole county of people that I look after. And so much of this comes back to one of the basics. It's, these are our loved ones. These are our community members. These are people we really care about. And I want to highlight that you said that, Katie. These are our loved ones who are most often affected by this. You're already around them. You, you, whatever disease they have, you already have. I mean, especially if it's a virus or something like that. And so you, you are faced with this, this one thing that you just need to dive in and do what's right for them because these are the people we care about. And it's really simple, right? It's call 911 
push hard and fast. Let's keep it simple, right? And, and, and that is what these people need. For sure. Well, this is really great. Brianna, any thoughts uh, as we're wrapping up here? I know you're an advocate for bystander CPR. Uh, where do I go to learn this and save a life? So we have great sources actually at our fingertips. One of the easiest ways you can do that is just go to YouTube and search a credible YouTube source like the American Heart Association and just find training videos there. And then also you can go to the AHA website and find a class near you. I think that's such a great point, Brianna, that it is as easy as YouTube and there's lots of modalities now. You know, COVID has taught us that we have to find different ways to train and the AHA has really jumped to that occasion. And so, you know, just go find one for sure. No, perfect. I love it. That's the exact ideal transition. Thank you both. We've talked about the importance of bystander CPR. We've talked about how you could use yourself can be part of the solution and get trained. We've talked about the bystander experience and how we can learn more about how this affects us and how we can help support other people. Thank you again for joining me today on this podcast. Thank you, Ash. You did a great job leading us through the discussion. And I'm just so excited for this statement to be out and for it to really take us into the next 20 years of research to improve the situation. And thank you so much for letting me share my story. Oh my gosh, it is our pleasure and my honor to hear it. So guys, the statement's out. Go, go take a look. More importantly, for every one of you who's listening, get trained, go save a life. Thank you so much, guys. Have a nice day. Views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Heart Association and the American Stroke Association. For transcripts of this podcast and more information about resuscitation science, please visit CPR.heart.org or engage with us via social media using hashtag ECC Digital Digest.